Welcome to the Hadn't You Heard podcast, presented by Maco Media, where we will be having conversations with local business owners, getting an idea of who it is helping build our community, what it is they have going on right now, and why it is they do what they do. On today's episode, Hadn't You Heard of Samantha Carell? Samantha is an award-winning contemporary mixed-media artist and curator working within the Philadelphia and New York scene. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing great, Doug. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining me on Hat and You Heard. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. It is very exciting. First off, let's start, I guess. What is your business? So my business is Corel Enterprises, LLC. I I'm a full-time artist living and working in the Philadelphia and New York art scene. I've been avidly painting for over a decade now, and my whole process and just mission as an artist, I'm looking to invite my work into the homes of new and seasoned art collectors around the world who aren't only seeking fresh, modern, you know, artwork, but the opportunity to join my creative evolution. Nice. Very exciting. Yes. I love your artwork, first off. Thank you. It's very cool. Very fun. Yes. Very colorful. It's also not in the books yet. Oh. You know, you look back in all of those art history books that, I mean, I learned a lot about in my undergrad, but the fluid and scientific method that I use in my processing, there's been scientific data on it in the archives, but in terms of like the art world, it's not there yet. So I go to Art Basel every year and- I haven't showcased personally in any of those pop-up shows. There's, you know, Art Basel Scope, which is a huge one. I have an art dealer from the Hamptons that shows there every year. Quarter Contemporary. There's shows with Art Miami every year as well. And every time I go in, like, it's such an overstimulation Mm -hmm. of artwork. It's all, everyone, so it originated in Switzerland. And uh, that's the original Art Basel. There's also another one in Hong Kong, and but everyone goes to Miami, and it's during all, everyone else's winter, so mm. it's a huge celebration. Art collectors, artists, just admirers of the art world, you'll see what is hot in the contemporary art world. Every time I go down, I'm just waiting to see someone who's doing my process yeah. and see if they're like, thinking it's like going to be a missed opportunity, but it hasn't happened yet. So no, I'm hoping super um, cool. I have about, I mean, it's about six months now until then, which is in the art world, like it needs to happen now if I'm going to have a collaboration or or do that. But I had the opportunity to potentially do Red Dot, which is another smaller one. And they focus on just uh, solo artists. There are some galleries there, Mm. but their primary focus has all independent artists, which should be cool. I'd set up my own booth, kind of like I do at my other fairs. And it's a four or five day long. Very cool. Thing there. So how often or how many, I guess, galleries have you been to so far? Like showcasing? Yeah. So I've had a lot of collaborations over the years, but the past couple, as soon as I really launched full time four years ago, I was doing mainly pop up festivals. So it would be like one or two day showcases. One of my most epic ones was down in Cape May at the Cape May Promenade Art Show. It's a three day long event. It's super reasonable. Like usually you'll pay anywhere between, I don't know, a hundred dollars which was theirs which is super low for three mm. days which is insane like, yeah, that's crazy it's a it's a great deal and you're literally just on the boardwalk for three days in the sun awesome listening to music and you meet a lot of people that are traveling there from all around the country even world and they're all looking for something to take home yeah artwork is one of those beautiful 
like tokens of that. I sold like one of my biggest, one of my first biggest sales was there. Two years in a row, I won best in painting. That's super exciting. So very cool. My first awards there. And then um, back to back. But so many, when I first started kicking off with the, that scene, I, I went the first year that I did it, I did a couple. And then the next year I, I really wanted to figure out what my, my market was. So mm-hmm. it was to the point where I literally did the Atlantic city seafood festival <laughs> and that was not my market, but you really have to like, you know, fight to figure out where your market is and like what, where it's going to sell. Once you find those places, I lowered, you know, my my showcasing for the year, but I look back at it, like I did 25 of them. How did I do that? Oh my gosh. Like I, I feel burnt out just doing <laughs> six of them now every year. You know, you, when you have that drive, it just, the momentum sets in and you just kind of go. But Kate May is amazing. I love Hoboken. The Hoboken, Hoboken. We've talked about this before. It's a fine art and music festival. Amazing. They do an amazing job with their marketing and Hoboken's so young and thriving mm-hmm. and they have it down. It's, it's just, and it's a great day. It's a one day up and down. And it's like the holidays. Like I, I go up That's there awesome. and it's it's always been a great success there. The Jersey Shore offers a lot of great ones. Kate May has mentioned uh, Ocean City. I showcase with the Long Beach Island Arts and Science Foundation every year. Okay. They do that in July. But they're, they're also great. And it's inside, which is great because it's so hot that time <laughs> of the summer. My work doesn't do very good outside with no. it being casted in the resin. So direct sunlight <laughs> is not not good for so that you process. bring up the resin and we talked about how you travel a lot how your art has traveled a lot i wanted to ask what makes your art specifically different from the others at your shows okay well i mean art is very like intuitive in that sense you should never use intuitive to describe your work but like there's such a huge range in that creative aspect that you know my process has so much to do with you know science and the aesthetic method mm-hmm. and process so having control over my process is like the most empowering thing i think visually when people see my work a lot of people look at it and they immediately can question method i think you can see that there's a lot that goes into it and that i'm definitely you know there's something happening yeah. you know people get drawn in i've had a, a lot of people who aren't into abstract that have been pulled in and and have become collectors mm-hmm. because I've shifted them into what what that understanding of abstract is. I use the materials with genuine 24 karat gold and then casting a lot of the work in, in resin. People don't usually, they see it and they're like, wait, is this encaustic? Like, is this plastic? They, they, you know, they, they, they love not having a complete grasp on, on what it is right mm-hmm. away. And it brings you in. It lets you forget about the daily grind and find an appreciation for, for something something that's you know out of this out of this world i guess yeah it's super cool all your artwork feels like it's from out of this world but it pulls you in to your imagination every time i see one of your pieces it's they're also different they're also colorful they Mm -hmm. excite me as an artist myself to be more innovative with my art so thank you for that you are welcome (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to ask as well i guess within your shows you're super busy all the time how did you, I guess, find out this was the path in life that you wanted to go on? It's always moving. It's always something new. But art is your direction in life. What kind of pushed you into this? So a couple things. So I was bartending for years in, in Boston. 
And I made great money. I had regulars that lived at the Four Seasons across the street. And it was it was fun. But I was working like 60, 70 hours a week. And it's it's a different lifestyle. Some people can do that and they they take on that grind. But I always wanted to be an artist. I had a vision of becoming a successful full-time artist. And it wasn't happening with that. I would paint on the side. I got the opportunity to go to China with my professor from my undergrad with the grad program from there. And I was able to take on a whole new culture. First time leaving the country and I go to China. You know, it's I try to learn Mandarin. Pretty epic. Oh, it was wild. Luckily we had translators. Oh, I wish I could go even further into that. I got lost on the second day. They like left me behind. Anyway, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful trip. Good, the bad, and the ugly. But we finished in a water city called Wuhan. They call it the Venice of the East. Oh, cool. And it was that calm of the trip where we could really focus on what we wanted to create for our series from, you know, the final take of of the the whole adventure. And I climbed the Great Wall of China. That was super awesome. Like, I I don't think many people can say that. And then on our return, we had a a show in Boston. So it's like my first art show, like a real official art show in the city and I'm selling a couple pieces which was super empowering and then um, I had the opportunity to come move down here to Philadelphia so I left my job bartending and I had some money saved up and I went full throttle into trying to establish myself as a full-time artist and I failed you know I didn't do it right away like I there's you wear so many hats as an artist Mm -hmm. you know between now with social media marketing especially after the pandemic there's a lot that you have to take on as an independent and the resources that are out there, it's just, it's just grasping it. And when I was down here for the first time, I really didn't know like how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. So I ran a funding, I had to start serving again, which like kind of bit me, but I still kept doing everything and, and fighting to, to, you know, go full time. I got to a point where I unfortunately lost my twin sister to an accidental fentanyl overdose. Mm-hmm. And she was my biggest supporter. You know, she's that person I'd call after every show and we'd, we'd be on the phone for like an hour just rambling and just talking. And like she she was always she was always my my fighter. And she she knew that I was capable so much. And I think everyone needs that. Like if you don't have the support system, like it's it's hard after losing her. I I had this now or never thing in my mind where I was like, like, we're only here one time and if I'm going to do it, I just have to go. Yeah. So I fully vested in myself. I spent more money than I had. But I said, you know, what's all of this when I'm hoping to sell paintings for like an insane amount this time next year? If I can really fight and, you know, get myself to that that caliber. That next year, I had a show in Paris. I showed at the Paris Art Expo with a gallery. And then I was also the billboard artist at the Maniac Art Festival. I was blindly selected to be on the billboard just a year after I was in. So they have an emerging artist tent on Grape Street. Every year they select, I think, 20 to 30 artists. It's only 100 bucks. It's really nice to, you know, just get the the community. It's it's one of the biggest craft fairs in the mm-hmm. country, or art fairs. And then um, they do an award system where they have first, second, and third place. And I got first place for best emerging artist. Wow. So I now have to emerge. So I can't yeah. be in the, the I cannot be in the emerging artist tent anymore. <laughs> and so I applied for the next year and then I was blindly selected to be on the mil- the billboards and all their marketing. So I, I literally went from best emerging artist to billboard artist within one year. That's incredible. Thank you. And I always joke like if that's on evolution, what I don't know what it is. Yeah. So a lot of good things have happened for yeah, you. Yeah. So yeah. Congratulations. You have to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And um but 
I mean, if I have to say anything about being an artist, it's it's that one ticket energy. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you want to do it, just go. Just go. And it, and it's happening. So. Well, sorry for your loss. I'm happy to see you flourishing right now, getting to emerge, as you said, as an artist. I know the past few years have been tough for everybody. I wanted to kind of pick your brain as an artist, as the CEO of your business, wearing all the hats. How did the pandemic affect you and your art, your creativity and your business? Oh, my goodness. The pandemic was challenging, to say the least, with gallery collaborations. You know, no one was going into the galleries. Some of them had online visibility but you know everyone tried really hard everyone would do like those dollhouses with 3d cameras and try to like get people in the gallery virtually i honestly didn't move a lot of work during that time but i did take the the time to like revamp my website and but to be honest i i kind of went into an artist block because i mean i think like everyone else we didn't know what was going on a big part of my process and creativity uh plays on my like emotional state i guess and i was just not in a mental state where i wanted to create and i ended up making some amazing work. And it actually, I, I, I had a collector in Hoboken who I was telling all this, telling her all about these pieces that I developed during the pandemic and she bought all of them. Wow. She said that this is probably some of the most important work of my career. It was amazing. I call those people whales. Like they come <laughs> in and like they know what they want and they, you know, it's, it's one in a thousand really, but it was amazing to make that connection. But yeah, the pandemic was slow. Yeah. Like I look back and it feels like it was so long ago, but I mean, we're still very much in it, but we're all just adapting and, and, and fighting for, for the dream still. Well, as a business owner, you have to always adapt with any kind of thing thrown at you, like a pandemic, which nobody saw coming as you're the one man show, one woman show. And there's other perspective, young entrepreneurs and artists out there, maybe looking to follow a similar path as yourself who want to delve into art painting, contemporary artists, how do they, what kind of advice would you give them kind of jumping into this world when they have no, they don't teach this in school? They don't. In my undergrad, I think one of my biggest things was they didn't teach, like it should be a requirement to have business 101. I agree. No matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter. I think everyone needs some form of a like business advice and it is something that can be taught, but like it's if it's not a part of curriculum, then we're kind of left left in the clouds. But I mean, when it comes to getting to where where I am right now, I mean, you have to figure out your aesthetic, your audience. It's really important to make sure you have a library of work, a good portfolio, website. I think Instagram's super important. I'm trying to dive on TikTok. You know? Like oh yeah. I would love to. I mean, it's. It's, it's so open right now. I think it's a missed opportunity if I don't. But again, another hat. So, But it, I guess it's, it's not taking so much at, at once and doing everything right away, but just pacing yourself and making sure everything's ready for you. I think e-commerce is really important. I use Shopify for mine. It's a great platform. It directly in- integrates to Instagram so people can shop right on my Instagram. But just to have that face online. When it comes to art fairs and collaborations with galleries... Art fairs, you typically have to apply to them anywhere three to six months before the actual show. So it's good to to research online. And I recommend going into my CV and you can scroll all the way down from like the past five years and see where I started and apply to those. And I would love to do like a one-on-one course on like surviving a festival 
and you know what you need to really be successful with it. Clear labeling is really important so people know like pricing that you're made. And it's it's also making sure that you're the face of your your business and you represent your work through through you because half the time like people will love the work but they will buy it because they they connect with you. So you have to be open to letting people see your personality and, and letting them learn a little bit more about you and building that rapport with people like it, it it's going to create an ongoing relationship. Yeah. Oh, and getting emails like <laughs> get everyone's emails like it's so important to to have that that collection, you, you know, letting to. them know about future showcasing and 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 things of that nature. Some people like people like seeing that. So in the event of that you're trying to get into galleries, you know, I think it's good to have a sense of who you are as an artist and also seeing how your work adapts with their current like selection of artists, you know, who, who are they showing? Would you blend with them? Do you think that you'd be a good fit? If you think you would, I mean, that's a great go for, for either just approaching the gallery, going in, finding out who the art director is, sending them a, an email with your CV and, you know, examples of your work. I feel like that's, that's usually a good, good starting point. I've been lucky enough for the galleries have approached me over the years and I've met them through collaborations in Art Basel and just, if you go to if you go down to Art Basel, just take their business cards and don't talk to them when when you're there. But you can just say, hey, like, you know, I, I met you briefly down in Miami. I'd love to, you know, show you what I have and then just go for it. You know, you have to go hunting. So for my gallery collaborations, I'm currently showing with a quarter contemporary there in Fishtown. They have another gallery in L.A. that I believe in. They're uh, working to open one up in Miami. The family that runs it's originally from Tel Aviv. They found me when I uh, was showing at the Jewish Art Center in Old City, which I, I currently still have a collaboration with. And then I also show with Soha Contemporary and also Roman Fine Art in Sag Harbor. So, Sam, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite song or what song embodies you, would you say, as a person? I would have to say Billy Joel, Vienna. So the the story of the song it's a it's a crossroad of life it's kind of a romance a romanticized life in a cafe in Europe. What I get from it is that you're going to be faced sometimes in life where you're looking for your calling, you know, and some people they'll get there sooner and sometimes it's just later. It's the road, you know, it's long. The song itself I think is a reminder that whatever pace you're going as long as you're doing your best and whenever you get there, you're going to arrive like you're there. And I feel like I've been such on like a, a crazy pace the past few years that when I listen to it, I feel like it does slow me down a little bit. And it's like, you're, you're OK, like you're going to you're on momentum. It's going to happen, but it's OK to slow down, like take those moments of pause and and remember. It's a huge thing in North American cultures, I think, with the competition and that focus that you need to be successful. Yeah, just take your time and and uh, just make sure you're you're doing it the way that is following your heart. Yeah. You know. I love that. Thanks. I think music is one of the most important things in life and it can really help curate your personality, help you follow your dreams and have, you know, self-belief still. The world's always going and it's really easy to fall into place and just forget about yourself. So a song like that kind of brings you back to your reality, not the reality. And following your dreams is super important. I think music is number one, a part of keeping you on track. With that said, let's talk a little bit more about 
Samantha Krell and her philosophy. How would you, I would say your music choice kind of helps curate that. What would you say in one sentence, if you could, is your philosophy going through your business, your art, and your life? I don't think I need a sentence for it. I think <laughs> it, it's simply problem solving. Okay. So most of you who have seen my work, you probably see that it's there's a blend of art and science in it. The background is the the focus in pigments and color theory, which I have a very strong background in from my undergrad. I found this new focus in fluid viscosity. So I, I learned how the pigments are attracting and repelling. And through experimenting, I'm able to you know, figure out what's happening and harness these reactions. And the, the cool thing is once you have the, what I call recipe down, it leaves little to the law of chance. You know, it's, it's not just throwing paint down and hoping for the best. I, I really want to harness it and figure out what's happening. And the beauty of it is that it's not always perfect. You know, it's, it's an opportunity every time I'm in the studio to, to strike brilliance or it's almost like a bridge to examine a beautiful mistake. I guess in, in another term for philosophy is that my my process is as sweet and challenging as life itself. That is the perfect sentence, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's my forever. You know, it's it's funny that, you know, growing up, we're all artists and the like society kind of draws you elsewhere. You know, there's so much that we need to run as as a society and Art's usually uh, trailed as just like the fun thing that you do when you're little, but I, I just never stopped. There's also a saying out there that all artists are, you know, that we're all still kids technically that just never grew up. I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, it's, yeah. it's cool to be able to do this and, and do it successfully. And it's, it's a constant learning process, but it's, I don't know what else I would do. Maybe math. <laughs> I love math. I, I'm really? A, I'm, I'm a whiz in Excel now, you know, just running my spreadsheets and getting my numbers down and oh, that's got to keep the books clean. But yeah, it's, it's very empowering to be an artist and it'll be my forever. Getting to showcase, you know, your self-image to the public is super huge. It makes your brand, it makes you personable. Mm-hmm. And I guess with that, how would you say that Samantha Krell is a part of the community? How do you put yourself out there? And let's touch on the other aspect of it, how we met through the Soha Arts Building and what that means to you. Soha's amazing. And community is very important. I worked for years in my attic, so I didn't have a creative community that I, I worked with. I would meet, meet people at art shows and we'd stay connected on Instagram and, and you know I'd see them at showcase and stuff. But being in a building like this with like-minded creatives that are, are just as hungry and, and really trying to make it, it's empowering and it, it keeps you in a, a, a different type of drive, I think. It's nice to be somewhere divided from home. You know, I come, it's almost like I'm going to the office. You know, it, it can take me to the place I need to go mentally and like just, you know, check out of all the other daily grinds. You know, we have the Soha building works uh, with Haddon Township directly. So we have a really great partnership in the area. We host galleries in the building. So I have my work on display here. So it's it's minimal to what I do in the actual scale of things. But we're definitely, I think we're building a contemporary base for the community, for them to to adapt into what's happening in 
the art world and just trying to keep it fresh, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty inspiring of what we have going on here at the building, led by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of other artists, creatives are going to come out of the woodwork to kind of join the collective and create a new community and also be a part of the business community a little more. I wanted to talk about one other thing because we were talking about your events that you've already done in the past. We just got finished one of the biggest events for Soha, which was the awesome Pride Fest. Right. Is there anything happening upcoming for you? Or are you going to kind of rest for a little bit that you want to share with the audience? September will be my rest month. Okay. Yes. I have a lot of weddings coming up too. I have a show next week. I'm returning back to Maniunk. Okay. I didn't do it last year because of the pandemic. I took a lot of time off from the festival scene just because there was so much uncertainty still. And, you know, you're just not sure if the people are going to come out. So, but I'm going back to Maniunk. I'm super pumped. It's going to be an amazing event. I'll have a show, a show tent there. And then... That's a two-day show. It's next Saturday and Sunday, the 25th and 26th. And then following that, I will be at the Foundation Arts Festival at the Long Beach Island Foundation. That is scheduled for Saturday, July 9th from 10 to 6. And there's also a Friday night preview. I'll be inside the Arts Center there. I'm super excited for that. And then later in the year, I'm going to be showcasing again with Superfine Art Fair. I don't know if you've heard of them before. I have not. They're awesome. They're kind of a untraditional, well, they're not really a traditional art fair. They're founded on the principles of inclusivity okay. and uh, bringing art to communities who are often unwelcome or marginalized in the art world. The whole fair is themed to be inclusive and really just fun for everyone. So it's bringing art collectors into a scene where there's the emerging and some mid-career artists. I just showcased with them in D.C., which was amazing. And I'm going back to showcase them this October in New York. And then uh, next March, I'll be at their Miami show. Very cool. Super pumped for that. And then I'm going back to the Hoboken show for the Fall Festival. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know about you before we wrap it up, I guess? Oh, um, where can they follow you? Anything exciting? So you can follow me on my Instagram at Corel Art Collection. That's pretty much where, where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. That's Instagram. where they can find all the news yes. and updates Hope, about you. Awesome yes. artwork that you're putting together here at the building yeah. and sharing with Samantha everybody. SamanthaCurl.com, of course. There you go. My website. Yeah. I post everything. Anything that's upcoming, I'll, I'll share in my story and what have you. But yeah. And if you want to come hang out at the studio, if you're in the area, just hit me up and I'd be happy to have you come check out check out the scene. Awesome. Yes. Well, that was Hadn't You Heard of Samantha Carell. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you for having it. me. Of course. And please check out all of her work on her socials, as she just said. And stay tuned for next week's episode of Hadn't You Heard of Hugs Ceramics. Owner Katie Thompson, local self-taught potter, and also a Soha Arts resident, will be joining us. We'll see you next week for another episode of Hadn't You Heard.